0: Seated. good to see everybody today in the Lord's house. Turn your Bible with me. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. We want to look at a guy named Eutychus today. How many ever heard of Eutychus? Raise your hand. Heard of old Eutychus? Yeah. What do, you, what do you know about him? What? He fell out of the window. He fell out of the window. You ever heard about him falling out of the window? We're going to read the story about it here. In our text, if you'll go with me, chapter 20, we'll begin with verse 7. Verse 7. The apostle Paul is preaching, it says on the verse 7, upon the first day of the week. Did y'all understand that? What did that say? What day is that? Sunday. That's Sunday, isn't it? On the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Sunday evening service, right? They actually worked on the first day of the week in that culture then, right? It was a Jewish culture. They worked on the, on the first day of the week. They worked on Sunday. They worked on the the new Sabbath, the, the Sabbath day. Sabbath is not just Saturday. It is a term. Sabbath. You take a Sabbatical, Right? Sabbath. Things we need to understand. So he, he preached the midnight. Boy, isn't that exciting? And, and there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And verse 9, And there sat in the window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching... Long preaching. (laughs) He sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell upon him and embraced him and said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till the break of day... So he departed, and they brought the young man alive and were m- not a little comforted. Don't you know the people in charge of the liability insurance were encouraged by that? Amen. He's not dead. We don't have a lawsuit going on here. Oh, isn't that something? That happened in their church. Do we ever have odd things happen in our church? Is there ever a time we don't? <laughs> Our pianist is sick today, and so we don't have the piano today. And then JoJo has kind of a a breakdown. I mean, something's always happening where God is working. Now, I want us to look at this passage of Scripture and, and consider three things about the Scripture, or three areas that we need to talk about. First of all, I want us to think about the service. Look at the service. It was the first day of the week. Now there's an argument going on today, should you worship on Saturday, should you worship on Sunday? That That's not a big argument because very few people have a problem with worshiping on Sunday. And somebody has written many articles and things trying to blame the pagan things. Uh, for the Sunday worship. Well, every day of the week has a pagan history to it. All right, Saturday. All right, they all have a pagan. So that their argument is no good. It's just really good in your own brain to use your own arguments to convince people of things that really comes down to nonsense because it's only your way of looking at things. We see the service was on the first day of the week. It wasn't the, on the on the Saturday, as they as the Jews still worship the day on Saturday. They actually begin on Friday night. And they go to the evening on Saturday. Well, why do we worship on Sunday? Is it because some pagan god got us going there? is it because some error? No, the New Testament church did it. The New Testament to they would go to services on Saturday to try to get the gospel into those communities of people that believed not in the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus came up from the grave. He skipped Saturday and come up on Sunday. He just, just, he just laid down and slept right on through the Saturday service and got up for an Easter Sunday morning on Sunday, the first day of the week. Now, the resurrection occurred on the first day of the week. Uh, the Sunday is called, in Revelation chapter 1, it's called the Lord's Day. Okay, it's called the Lord's Day. The disciples met on the first day of the week. I could take you to numerous references where the disciples met on the first day of the week. Now, you're saying, preacher, are you trying to argue that you're pagan if you don't meet on Sunday? I'm trying to argue this. You're pagan if you criticize worship on on Sunday. You can worship any day of the week you want to. All right? But you should not make an argument to try to divide the church of the Lord Jesus Christ because you don't meet on Saturday. Saturday. Okay? Pentecost occurred on the first day of the week. Some of you probably didn't know that. Sunday's the Lord Day. The early church met on the first day of the week. Now let me give you some philosophy. People don't like philosophy. I like true philosophy, don't you? I don't like false philosophy. But think about this. The cross, before the cross, they looked forward to the cross. After the cross... We look backwards to the cross. Before the cross, they worked all week and rested on the Sabbath day. After the cross, we worship first and we leave that place to serve God for the next six days. You follow it. It's a change that God made. If Jesus would have risen on Saturday. And I am sure somebody can take you and give you some kind of argument that said that he rose up on Saturday or Monday or Wednesday or Thursday or any old day they want to. But what you got to do is take the text of Scripture and say, okay, did it say absolutely this or that? But it sure is telling me that. And you know what the text tells me? He arose on Sunday, the first day of the week. Now, here's the problem, too. After Calvary, we rest in Christ. That's called being saved. We rest in Christ first. All groups, now listen to me, all groups that practice Saturday worship without exception do not believe, they might lead you to think they believe, but they do not believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ as all sufficient to take that person to heaven. Every one of them say it's Jesus plus you that gets you to heaven. And the reality of Scripture is we're in a mess of trouble if anything I do has anything to do with me getting into heaven because everything I do is tarnished by my sin nature. It's all a work of Jesus Christ, the Savior. And so we simply believe that we're saved by grace without any works added, just like Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says. For by grace are we saved through faith, not of yourself, it is, a, it is a work of God. Not of works, lest any man we sh- should boast." Folks, we're in a mess. If the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The atoning work of Jesus is what brings us to heaven. When you trust in him, you go to heaven. I can tell you, and cover all the rest of the stuff at some other time. Now, that's taught in this passage. It's taught in many other passages, first day of the week worship. Secondly, we want to look at the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper, they they practice. And, and this is the breaking of bread. Now, many believe, and it's probably so, that they practice the Lord's Supper probably in the first church every time they met. I don't know that. I don't know that they didn't. But I'm persuaded to believe that they, they probably did. Am I persuaded to believe that we have to follow that? I'm not persuaded to believe that we have to follow that. But the Lord's Supper is a very special service to the church, isn't it? The reason of the Lord's Supper. Why do we have it? It's very important. We need to have the Lord's Supper, and we will. Now, we're having a fellowship meal next Sunday evening, or next Sunday after church, right? It's in the afternoon this week. But the Lord's Supper is a special meal. Uh, So it looks back to Calvary. It looks back at what Jesus did at Calvary. The Lord, His body being broken for us and his blood being shed for us. We see his body broken in the bread and we see his blood in the cup. And so we look back at Calvary, but also the Lord's Supper is important because it looks forward to the Lord coming. Now, I want to stress to you the importance of meeting with your church for the Lord's Supper. Jesus didn't ask much of us, but he asked us to do this in remembrance of him. The Lord's not into a lot of fancy stuff, but he asked us to do this. Now, it looks forward to his peer, appearing because he said, do this until I come. So he expresses our faith that Jesus is coming again. You haven't forgotten that, have you? I've been reading and, and, and looking at some information where people don't believe in the coming of Christ in the air to take the church and... It's just amazing to me how people can come up with things. Listen, you can come up with anything you want to come up with. You better pray the Holy Spirit leads you or you'll come up with something that's a mess. It looks forward to His appearing. But also the Lord's Supper is important because it tells us to look inside of our heart. It's a time of evaluation. If you've never been to the Lord's Supper here, we do a big emphasis on now is a time for us to make sure of a few things. Number one, am I truly in the faith? Am I am I Christian? Have I truly trusted Christ as my Savior? A lot of people don't have assurance of their salvation. People struggle with assurance of their salvation. They struggle with it. Hey, listen, we look at that when we do the Lord's Supper, and then also we look at this, am I right with the Lord? What's important in it? We ought to do it every day, but you can't do it every day because it becomes humdrum. Oh, you can do it every day, but but, but it becomes humdrum. So when we do it as a church body, we do it together in a service where the Lord, the, 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 the cup represents His his, uh, his blood, the bread represents his body that was broken and we're thinking about what occurred at Calvary because of our sins and it causes us to take an evaluation of where we're standing with God and what we're doing in our, in our walk with God and, and if any man confess our sins, he is faithful. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. It just gives a reality to those things that are our part of the Christian life. Now listen, the Lord's Supper points to the realities of the Christian walk. And then we also check, am I right with others? You know it happens that way. You get in church and you get out with someone and, and you kind of have a problem. Let me tell you something. When you have a problem with one person in the church, you need to get that fixed. If you don't get that fixed, you may be running into bigger trouble down the ray down the way. You need to get it fixed. So so you got somebody you're mad at, somebody you hurt by, somebody offended with. Don't, don't carry that grudge with you. Jesus taught us to forgive, forgive how many times? Without number, right? 70 times 7. Perfect is what it is. Completely. We're to forgive. Why do you need to forgive people? Well, number one, they need to be forgiven. But more importantly, you need to be clean and clear of holding a grudge or it's something that's dis, just not right in your soul. Very important, the Lord's Supper. Am I right with the Lord? Am I in the faith? Am I right with the Lord? Am I right with other people? The question you could ask, am I ready for Jesus to come, if he would come? So the Lord's Supper is important. First day of the week, the Lord's Supper, and then they had a fellowship meal. They're doing it all. They're doing church here in this meeting. They're doing church, you know. The things that we do, they're doing sure. You know, people, got, you got to understand how important eating, eating is. Uh, how many times do you eat a day? I only eat one meal a day, all day long. Yeah, I just keep it going. I keep it, I'm buffeting, man. Uh, the Bible tells me, buffet your body, right? I mean, right. Maybe I misread that word or something. It's close to that. Close is good enough, okay? I'm joking. Some of you don't know. But... They were having a fellowship meal. Don't be critical of things where we get together and meet and eat, meet and eat. Very important that we. Uh, everywhere you go, food is a comforter in it. It's a fellowshiper. It's a connector. We thank God that people really that really see the need in this. And they were having a fellowship meal. Look at verse 11 in our text, and it says, "And when uh, he was therefore come again, had broken bread and eaten and talked." A long while, even till the break of day, so he departed. Hey, this guy's got to travel the next day to get on a ship to go to another region to witness. But he stayed up all night spending time with that young church and that group of people that were meeting in the name of Jesus and a meeting in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that formulates is called an ecclesia, right? Boy, we had a lot of that about last month. So fellowshipping spending time together spending time now some of you some of you run in and out of here like you're catching a bus or you got to take medicine you run in and you run out you get your god time in right got my god time in now my time's time oh let's get off of that your god time has to do with connecting with other people too Connecting with other people, fellowshipping with other believers. It draws you closer to God. It kind of gives you a framework to live in. You know, family is important, right? The Christian families, we're called the household of God, aren't we? It's important, family time with the Lord. So they had a fellowship. They had the Lord's Supper. They had a fellowship meal. A fellowship is a great part of the Christian life. They, did, they, they were together all night. I had to walk the next day, but he stayed there. Fellowship is a sign of a healthy church. It's a sign of a healthy Christian. It's signs of healthy relationships. Man, if you don't like the people at your church, it may be you. You may be the problem. You say, Preacher, I just don't like people. Well, there you are. There's the problem. <laughs> we figured it out, didn't we? Fellowship is important. It's a vital part of the Christian life. You can only grow so much without being connected. Without being connected with others. Now, the Bible tells us in Psalms 133, verse 1 and 2, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. 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 Building relationships. See, here's the deal. If you go through your Christian life without connecting with people and building a relationship, you will hear something or feel something, and you won't feel comfortable, and you won't come back. But if you build relationships with people, you get connected. And some of us have problems with this. And you know what? It's a real problem. It's a real problem. You need to admit, i got a problem with connecting with people. And, and, and I'll tell you something. You need to correct it. You do need to correct Do you have to correct it? No. Can you go to heaven without correcting it? Yeah, you can go to heaven without correcting it, but you ought to correct it because you have something to give to the rest of the body of Christ. You have something to experience with the rest of the body of Christ. It's very important that you connect. You need to connect. Here's the deal. We, we, we need to come to church, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of absolute truth. We need to be there. But more than just be there, don't run in and run out. You need to assemble with the body of Christ. Become a part of. Spend time with. See, who you are can be changed by the people you associate with and fellowship with. Say, I'm happy with me. Well, I I guarantee you are. I could just go to my house and sit the rest of my life up there and do what I want to do, whenever I want to, however I want to, and just do that. I could do it. Hey, how many of us could do that? But are we to do that? We're not to do that. You know, I'm not not saying this, y'all, because I have great needs. Oh, I need you. I need you. I need you. I don't need you. Okay? But I love you. Do you get it? Are you following me? Raise your hand if you're not following me right now. Raise your hand. Let me do a survey. You follow me? Are you either lying or are you following me? <laughs> it's very important that we connect. It's hard to connect if you're just running in and out. That's why you come back on Sunday night. That's why you come on Wednesday, 6 o'clock on Sunday nights, 7 o'clock on Wednesday. You come just to become a part. And I guarantee you, you got something to offer. you got something to add that we need here. Okay, so we look now at the sleep. The man that fell out the window, right? We've got to concentrate on him for a while. He's the one that fell out the window. The man that fell out the window. Now, what I want him—I want you to see, he is a picture, an illustration of how people fall out of church. Okay? How, how, it's, he's an illustration of people that, that fall out of church. He said, verse 9, And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third log and was taken up for dead. Eutychus, why did you fall out of that window? Does anybody know why he fell out of that window? Raise your hand, don't tell me. One, two, three, four, five. I'm going to ask Jesse, why did he fall out that window? He fell asleep? No, that, how many know that's not the answer? All right, that's not why. Jesse, that's just circumstantial evidence. We're going to court. <laughs> now, now, let me ask you some questions. So we got this. So I had I picked on Jesse there because he can take it. uh, but, and, and he can be wrong in front of everybody. I'm, I'm making a big thing out of that. Driving at home with Jesse, right? <laughs> How many wish I'd picked on you there? <laughs> but uh, why did he fall out? Well, first of all, you can say because that long preacher, that long winded preacher. Amen? It was that preacher. They did it. He was preaching too long, wasn't he? He preached to midnight. My Lord, that was long. That was really long. It said and he 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 was long what did it say? Was I can't help but L O N G long preaching. And it even mentions it again. In the next verse, 7 and 9, it mentioned that it was long preaching. He preached at midnight. Well, let me tell you something. When you, when you fall out of church, you need to blame someone, don't you? Might as well be the preacher, it? You're yeah, right. I, you know, I used to go around and, and try to figure out, oh, why did that person quit church? Oh, let me see it was because of me it was because of my sermon something I said it was this it was that it was this it was that and I go through that thing now oh I, I did this wrong I didn't I didn't you know why they fall out I'm going to tell you in a little bit could it be because of sin could it be because we're not right with the Lord not he, he he said long preaching Preaching. Now, I don't think that was the reason. I'm taking it up for preachers all. You know, I've got sleepers here. Any of you out here today sleeping? I remember Roy Bose. How many remember Roy Bose? He was one of the best church sleepers. He would sit right over in a pew, and Roy could open a song book, and he wore glasses on purpose with shades on them, and he could go to sleep while I'm preaching the whole time I preach. And he'd get up to lead the music and say, Roy, Roy, wake up! It's time to lead the music for the invitation. Man, he was a good sleeper. You know what? I'd rather you sleep in God's house than sleep in your bed at home, though. Right? And I love Roy. I love that guy. You know, if you want me to love you, die, and I'll love you too. I love everybody that died, right? You know, I got I got all kinds of memories. I don't know if I love all of you that are living But I will love you one day when you die. I'll I'll have fond memories of you. Boy, I hope you're not new in the crowd today and don't understand me. (laughs) I'm just really running them off today. Now, secondly, could could it have been that he was sitting in a window? Could that be why he fell out? It's a sure thing my mother wasn't there, right? She would have never allowed that. Get out of that window, boy! (laughs) I can hear her yelling at me right now. But... He was was in a dangerous place. Why do people fall out of church? Because they live in dangerous places. Now listen, you may be a fine Christian, but you may be living dangerously. Think about that. Living without fellowshipping with the Lord's people, living without getting sound preaching constantly as we need three times a week. Uh, He was in a dangerous place. He was three stories up. Listen, he should have not been in that window. Unless for some unique circumstances, he should not have been there. Some Christians try to live dangerously. Would you agree with that? They play with the flesh, the world, and the devil. I think some Christians tempt the devil to tempt them. Some are compromised in things that they don't need to be involved in. Some are stubborn. Some are rebellious some are out from under the authorities of their lives person gets in trouble why did you do that the proper question is why did you get yourself in the position to do that person gets out here and has an adulterous affair you know what they did but why did you get yourself in that spot the bible says run flee from adultery fornication run from it Get out of those situations. See, some of us are mistakes looking for a place to happen. Stay out of the situations you need to stay out. Correct the situations that need to be correct. Get out of the windows. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there is no temptation taking you but such as common to man, but that God will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You're going farther into things that you don't need to get into if you get far out and fall out. Get yourself where you need to be. Right? Did I say that nice? How many agree that I'm being nice today? Raise your hand? How many think I'm being mean today? Raise your hand? <laughs> Oh, Lord. Target, target, target. Jesse, you don't have a vote here. <laughs> out of those situations we got to stay out of those situations stay out of the wrong crowd if you're not strong enough to bear that crowd stay out of that crowd the bible says not to be equally yoked together with unbelievers as a matter of some is if you're not strong enough to be in that situation stay out of that situation now imagine walking down the road to that place that night where they're having church and there's lights there there's plenty of lights there and there's a light coming out of the window, and you see the image of a man sitting in the window. Notice the first person in church that they saw walking by that church. It was that guy sitting in the window. He's in a compromised situation, isn't he? That's why people fall out. People People don't fall out when you're all the way into where you need to be with the Lord. In those compromised positions, That's where you fall out. Now, when they looked into that window, they saw him. They did not see the people that were praying. They did not see the people that were worshiping. They did not see the preacher preaching. They saw that guy in that compromised position. Isn't that the way lost people look at the church? They pick on the worst of us, don't they? And that could be any of us at certain times. Now, the Bible tells us that he went to sleep, right? He went to sleep. Has anyone here never slept? We've all slept. You say, Preacher, I I know, I I go to bed, sleep physically. Uh, No, I'm talking about spiritually. We all sleep sometimes. There's times that I am closer to the Lord than other times. Oh, I just disappointed somebody, didn't I? You thought I was always just really where I need to be with God. You know, sometimes I'm struggling just to be and do what I need to do. And then there's sometimes I'm just ready for them all. You know what I'm saying? Hey, the Christian life is a a life of hills and valleys. Sometimes you're on top of the world. Sometimes you're sliding down the hill going fast. Sometimes you're in a valley of discouragement. That's where things grow. Sometimes you've got to climb that next hill in front of you and you struggle. That's the Christian life. The Christian life was not made for you and I to live on the mountains at all times. Good illustration, when old Peter uh, went up to the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, he said, Jesus, I want to build you and Moses and Elijah a house here, and we want to live here. (laughs) I like to live on mountains. All beautiful views up there. But Peter, you can't stay here. Peter had to go back down there, and he not only went down to where he was comfortable, on the night of the crucifixion, he slid all the way down in the mud and just about drowned, didn't he? He denied even knowing the Lord. I would mean, think, think about it. Think about it. Tremendous experience of seeing God. Think with me. He saw Moses, he saw Elijah, and he saw Jesus transfigured with his glory shining. Well, you dude, you And then you went down there and even denied you ever knew him. I'm not going to be hard on him. How about you? Huh? You ever denied the Lord? Oh, not with my mouth, but how about your life? How about the way you live? How about asking the people that you work with—is that person a Christian or not? Hmm. Oh, Peter just showed us what we all do. We all fall asleep. There's times we're closer to God than we are. And what? it's very important you understand that. You can't always, oh, I've got to, I've got to. No, no, just keep walking, just keep walking, keep walking. It'll all straighten out if you keep walking. If you just sit there, if you call back up and go forward, back up and go forward, you can make a rut. And you can get stuck in a rut. Now, When do you fall asleep? When you close your eyes. I could do it right now, too. I I mean, I'm preaching myself to sleep right now. Close your eyes and stop listening, right? It all just goes away. A lot of times I'll I'll turn a podcast on and, man, I don't know what it is. I believe you could turn the Bible on. I'll go to sleep within 30 seconds. If I don't turn it on, I'm wide awake. Something's wrong with that situation. (laughs) But the reality is you close your eyes and then your ears stop hearing and you go into your own little world. What happens when you fall out of church? You close your eyes to the truth. Then you close your ears to the truth. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Ah, you're judging me. When's the last time you said, you're judging me? That's just an indication of where we're at in the window. It's an indication of where we are in the window. Hey, if this man was sitting on the altar and he fell asleep, he'd been fine. He'd woke up in the church. Amen? He wouldn't have got dead. And I believe he was dead when Paul went down to him. Uh, severely injured at least. And so you close your eyes to the truth. You close your ears to listen to the truth that's when you fall out of church. Somebody put some kind of deal in your mind, some poison in your system, and something happened and you saw things on a different light. Oh, I see clearly now. Are you sure? Are you sure you're not looking through cloudy? Some people just absolute that they know what they're thinking and know what they're doing and know that they're right. I'm going to tell you something I learned in life. There's been a many a times in my past I thought I was 100% right only to discover 20 years later I was wrong. You better not depend on yourself being your God. I'm a self-made, self-guided man. Well, you ain't going to be much. You better listen. You better look. Look and listen. Listen. If you won't listen to someone, Lord, help you. That's when you fall out. You get to think you know everything. Now, folks, it's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing to fall asleep spiritually, especially when you're sitting in the window. It's dangerous. You better watch out or you'll fall asleep. You need to watch and you need to pray and you need to watch for others and you need others to watch for you. I know the story of a good friend of mine who got out of church I won't call his name. He's not here today. He's in, a, he's in another assembly today. He's in the assembly in heaven. And he fell out, and a young man came to me and said, I, Preacher, I want to go talk to Brother so and so about he's just not where he needs to be. He's just not going to church. You know what I said to myself? Thank God, you brave soul. Have at him. Have at him. <laughs> He went. That man got mad at him. But that man had a lot of character because he came to me a week later as if I didn't know anything about it and I never told him any different. I'm, I was a deceiver. He told me of what that young man had come to him and told him. He said, it made me mad. But after he left, I realized he was right and I'm here today. Now, that's a big man, amen? That's a big man. That was a big man that went to him, wasn't it? See, see, here's the deal. When you get where you're not right with God, you don't want anybody telling you you're wrong because you have a self-consciousness and you're not admitting you're wrong to others. You're hiding. The Bible teaches us that we're to be pastors and shepherds and, and to watch for other people and, and try to help other people get back on track, right? I'm going to tell you something. You ready to know why he fell out that window? Now, about three of you know, at least you And the, the rest of you, for the next 20 years, I will not be able to preach a sermon here. You'll know. I'm going to tell you the exact reason why this man fell out of the window. The absolute... Re- you like to talk in absolutes? I'm going to talk to you in absolutes. The absolute reason this man fell out the window is because he was leaning further out than he was in. I mean, if he was leaning in, he would have fell in. but he was leaning out and he fell out. Now my question for you, how far out on that edge are you and are you leaning out? And that's what happened when people fall out of the church. They're already leaning out. You you couldn't come to you couldn't go to some of you here in this church and get you to quit and walk out and not come out for nothing. You know why? Because you're in. You're probably in really far in. But there's some of you on the edges. We're living in the windows. And thank God some of you on the window and you're leaning in. But some of you is on the window and you're leaning out. And just about one more thing, and it's gonna get you. You, just one more thing. That's why I go to church three times a week. Three shots at me. Holy Spirit, it's important. See, he was too far out on the edge. And he was leaning out. Everyone falls asleep. It's important which way you lean it. In or out. Who are your close friends? Whose company do you enjoy? Who are you spending your time with? It will determine which way you fall. The reason so many of us fall is because the carnality has set in, the worldliness has set in, we're leaning further out than we are in, we're closer to the world than we are Christ, which means we're closer to the world than we are the Christian friends that we have. Why didn't someone wake him up? I guarantee you my mother wouldn't arrested dude she went over and grabbed him by the arm and drug him in but why didn't they wake him up someone might say well because I thought it might make him mad and we don't none of us want to make people mad do we we don't want to make anybody mad well he's kind of his own person he has he's very independent are you trying to tell me in a different word he's rebellious trying to tell me he's stubborn. You know, some of us have a stubborn, rebellious nature that we have never overcome from the day that we said we we're Christian. We've never surrendered that. We've never had victory. We're stubborn. We're rebellious. You may be male. You may be female. It just comes out in different ways. But it's the same old problem. Stubbornness and rebellion. And the only cure for it is to get on this altar and to waller in that thing. And wallow you out of hole there. That's why no one woke him. Now, iron sharpens the iron soul, does a friend sharpen the countenance of his friend. We need to care about one another. But let me tell you about this young man, though. You know why? You know why he fell? Because the only thing that would wake him up is that hit on the box. Some people have gone too far away from God to you and me to wake them up. They've got to have a long fall. So God designs it. So God designs it. Now, say, so well, I could have went over and woke him up. He may have made him mad, may have made him worse, may have blamed you, may have never, maybe never seen him again. But when that man hit the ground, something happened. You know what happened? He died. He died. He died. Do you know dead people don't give us any problems? Did you know dead people don't get offended? You know, you know I tell you, people ask me all the time, what do you like best, a, a wedding or a funeral? I said a funeral. I've never had an unhappy customer say a word in a funeral. I have been chewed out by the mother of the bride before because I didn't get something to just perfect. Dead people don't complain. Think about it, folks. The spiritual truth I'm trying to teach us is that we have to die to self. We have to die to being the boss. We have to die to our we- our ways and our will. This man, when he hit the ground, he died. He died. But not only that, thank God somebody rescued him. (laughs) Oh, Paul went out there, it says in verse 10, and when Paul went down and fell on him, he embraced him and said, trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When some Christian has a big fall, that's when we need to go rescue. Paul went to him. He embraced him. He wouldn't stand off. He came down to where he was. We need to get our pride out of the way so that we can come to where people are. He embraced him. He restored him. And the Bible teaches us in Galatians 6, 1 and 15, 1 of Romans that we are to embrace and we are to restore those that are fallen. And he was restored. He rescued a brother. He rescued him. So in closing, let me say this, that we all fall asleep. It's important on where you're sitting. Are you leaning further out than you are in? And the truth is, some of us, is our nature to lean out. I'm trying to say, you'd be often more comfortable if you'd come into one of the beautiful chairs that we have and sit down and become a part. He fell out. Was it the preacher's problem? Was it the long preaching? No, it was where he was at. He fell out because he was leaning out. Where are you at today? Where are you? Are you just barely here? I mean, I, I could tell you a story about old Bob Tate. I've told you all for years about a story. Preacher wrote uh, wrote that in, in an illustration uh, thing uh, years ago, and I, t- I tuck it up. Old Bob got saved. Him and his wife both got saved. They started going to church three times a week. They got involved with the children's ministry, started teaching the children on Sunday morning, come to church on Sunday night, come to church on Wednesday night. But then for some reason, they started missing a little bit on Sunday, on Wednesday night. Just a little bit on Wednesday night. Just started missing a little bit on Wednesday night. When they had a good reason to miss it. Before they had a real strong attitude about it. I need to be there. But they would start missing for good excuses. Then they started missing for bad excuses and got feeling how comfortable it was just to sit home on Wednesday night. And we need our rest. And then they didn't come at all on Wednesday nights. And Sunday night they started missing a little bit. They had the family over. The only time we could get together with all the family, man, we got together on the Lord today. Started missing on dear Day. Dear Sunday. Started missing on dear Sunday. Then finally they're out on Sunday night. Completely out. And then, you know, the family's kind of getting... We're not as close as we were at one time. We were, we were so close. Our family, something's happening in our family. And so they come up with their own conclusion that it's because they're not spending more time together as a family. Had no idea that it might be idolatry of putting their family before God. Had no idea. The, the devil doesn't tell you that. And most Christians are afraid to say that to you, too. That's why I say it in a general population, not the in- individuals. God, I don't want to be slapped. Okay? So they decided, we, you know, we're kind of drawn apart here. Anybody got the idea? Maybe it's because they're walking away from God. we gotta, we got to buy some boat. And they bought them a boat. and went to the lake. Not every Sunday. Just every now and then. You know, we, we just want we just gotta spend and told the preacher, we just got preacher, I know we're missing, but we just gotta spend time with family. Some of us are uncomfortable with that, aren't we? The preacher got a letter from a penitentiary in Texas. The man wrote the preacher a letter. He said, Preacher, I've got life in this penitentiary. He said, I come home, and the, coaches, the coach was in the house, in the room with my wife, and I ended up killing them. He said, I just want you to know, Preacher, I really think my problem started that first time I made an excuse on Wednesday night and grew cold. We don't know. Let's bow our heads. Which way are you leaning? Let's quietly stand our feet. Are you leaning out or leaning in? Some can manage to live on that edge. Lord, help you get off that edge and get in where you need to be. It's dangerous to go to sleep in windows. Father, bless this time of invitation. In Jesus' name. As our musicians play for us, I want our heads to be bowed. How many would say, Preacher, I needed to hear that message. Not that I'm thinking about getting out, but I need to listen. Raise your hand, would you with me? I need to hear that. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, that's good. The rest of you didn't need it. But you might someday. Does there anyone need to come to an altar here and find a place just to connect, to make a commitment? Just to make a commitment. I find it when it's hard for me to admit that I need something, that's when I really need it. Anyone need to come? Oh, it's not pretty to come to the altar today. Oh, it's not pretty. No, I don't want to go today. Someone might think I'm not where I need to be. Do you need to come? Yeah, someone might get the wrong idea. Do you need to come today? Will you also go away? Anyone need to come today? If you're here today and you know Christ as Savior but you're not where you need to be, do you need to come and a new commitment to follow Christ closer than you are? Now you know why he fell out the window, right? Circumstances were not good, were they?